You're listening to Listen More with Paige Crystal Wilcox. This is a podcast where people from around the world offer their insights, reflections, and suggestions on media representation. Something that's very important for this podcast as a sign of respect is to allow each guest to introduce themselves in the way that they see fit. So without further ado, could you please introduce yourself to our audience? Thank you, Paige. My name is Somaye Dehan. I'm a Dutchified Iranian. It means that I'm originally from Iran, born and raised there. And for the past 17 years, I've been living in the Netherlands and I obtained Dutch nationality. And I consider myself a community guardian. And by that, I mean that in everything that I do and uh, every work that I try to accomplish, I always keep the community at the center of the interventions and the, the change and transformations that are necessary for achieving that goal. Thank you for that great introduction. And I highly value the type of work that you do and the approach that you take. The way I guess you appreciate how connected everything is When it comes to stories and storytelling, do you feel that the journey that you've had in your life, has has that changed how you've related to stories or the stories that you've wanted to see or maybe haven't seen? I I think that definitely has uh, has changed. And uh, um, we as, as human beings, we change over time. We grow, we develop, we acquire new knowledge and taste uh, throughout the years and that definitely impacts the way we perceive stories and we look for elements in our uh, in our stories where i grew up in iran of course everything that we watched on tv was censored was checked by the government everything that they would accept would be on on national tv and everything is basically national we don't have any private channels in in Iran still is the case. So uh, there, during that time, the animations for children that they would broadcast, for instance, it was very much around family and family values, how we back each other up. There were a few also about immigration, how you go and it's, uh, it's difficult to fit in and so on. And now I think the programs have, have changed quite a lot. My children only watch uh, alien heroes and the ones that are cybers. <laughs> so it's a, it's a very different story and different narrative that they are listening and uh, they are watching. And for myself, there were very few non-Iranian, non-censored uh, movies that I watched, and they were also quite Hollywood blockbusters, not not anything that I can I can say. Oh, this is a quite inspirational story, uh, so to say, to to watch. If I look at my time when I've uh, moved to the Netherlands and, of course, have access to a lot of different stories and different uh, narratives here, there are some elements that I can recognize as I can say. Oh, this is uh, I can find myself uh, a little bit in it. I can see my narrative uh, in it. But something that matches everything that I identify with, I think it's uh, it hasn't been hasn't been the case, and I I believe it it will be 
the situation for many others that are coming from a mixed background or have lived in two different worlds, uh, so to say, and then wanting to see themselves in the on the screen is quite quite rare those stories are actually stories that i really like to watch so i do my best to try to find stories like that and i do find it quite difficult because there aren't as many of those stories around as as much as there are all the very stereotypical stories or or as you you mentioned the the censored stories in relation to your children how the media that they watch or the stories that they watch are quite different to what you are watching. Do you feel that that's having an impact on the things that they value? I think it's a, it's a very different a different approach. The animations that I watch, every every member, every character in the, in the series had had its own time to shine and talk about and say what why they are important to the narrative. And then they were put back into the, the whole narrative as a complex of what does it mean for this person to be in this story? Like, for instance, we, we watched the animation of Little Women, that in the story of it, you hear about all the sisters, you hear about their interest, and then they are put back into the story. And then they, as a collective, they give the story of um, Little Women or about uh, Judy Abbott uh, and Daddy Longleg. You know, you hear the story of this orphan getting the chance to get to a, a, prestigious, uh, a prestigious college. Uh, you're following her story, but you also hear the narrative of the other uh, girls, the other people in her life and how that adds a nuance to the story. But when I look at what my children are, are watching, it's very much uh, there is one hero uh, who comes in, saves all the problems. And it's not that because this person is, is very smart or very persistent or very interested to get into the depth of issues. No, because this person has superpowers and that's why this person can uh, solve the problems. And that, I think, makes it unrealistic uh, in order to identify with. And also the narrative is told is that everybody should become a leader. If you are not a leader, you are a loser, basically. And you have to try to solve everything that is out there on your own. I think this is a very distorted picture that we are sharing with our, uh, with our children because we are social creatures. We need the help of other people to not just survive, but also to thrive. And nobody has a superpower except their mind and their will to contribute to the collective good. I think that that is quite uh, missing. And uh, me and my partner have become very selective of the programs that they can uh, they can watch. Um, we would love them to have the option to to watch YouTube, but the moment we take away that we are not supervising, they are um, easily for instance, um, move to watching, uh, I don't know, um, all these uh, YouTube uh, programs that they give out money for people to do stupid things. And it's very entertaining, of course, because they are playing with all the characteristics that attract attention and grab people's and children's interest. So in that sense, they are doing a really good job. 
but in terms of content, it really doesn't have anything that would add value to orientation of the children. You know, in, in their age, they are de developing their moral compass. And if they they really don't have that at the, as, as that young age, then they don't know how to make a distinction between a good act and a bad act. And that's quite, quite worrying. And we are spending a lot of time curating basically what they are watching and what they are exposed to basically. There is so much content out there where the only purpose is to entertain. The people who've created that content haven't really thought about the impact of the people receiving that, if it benefits them any other way other than to be entertained. Something that I've really loved to see in a lot of stories that have been coming out in the last few years is that conscious effort to consider the, the social impact of the content. Because especially in the case of children, they have these minds that just absorb stuff. They don't always know the messages that they're taking on. And because they don't have that awareness yet, it just sort of sinks in as fact. It's fantastic to hear that you're going into that effort and you're really making the effort to curate that really that educational experience that's going to help them develop as little human beings into adults. I'm very interested to know if there are some specific types of stories or specific messages that you would like to see, either in stories that you and your partner watch or your children. Yeah, I can, I can definitely uh, share my, my thoughts on this. In the work that I do, I'm very much focusing on bringing rights and responsibilities of, of uh, citizens, of humans together. In the last decades, uh, we've been focusing very, very much on individual rights, on human rights, which is absolutely a must. The missing element is that with every single right that we have comes a responsibility. And we are not talking about our responsibilities in the world, in, in the global scale, but at our national scale, as our at our community level scale, or at our family scale. We teach our children that uh, it's your right to get a good education. But we don't tell them anything that, okay, now that you're educated in this country and th there has been so much investment in you, you are responsible to, to give back to your, to your country in, in one way or another. And uh, even to give a simpler example is that with the wealth that we have, in, at least in the Western world, developed, it's much easier for us to hire somebody to come and clean our house, to clean our bedrooms and our playrooms instead of ourselves doing it and teaching our children that you clean up after yourself. So these elements, uh, the elements, a uh, combination of rights and responsibility, I think is a must to be added to our educational system, to our programs on TV, not just focusing on, I have a freedom and uh, I have to be able to choose whatever I want, Yes, you do, but you are also responsible for the actions that you take with your freedom. Take, for example, this um, pandemic situation that there were so many conflicts around the world in the Western countries that 
people, some people didn't want to comply with the COVID regulations. They said, oh, I'm a free individual and I want to move around as freely as I want. I want to go out there without covering my face or anything with face masks. And that argument is a very distorted one because all these years we've been taught that, yes, we are free people and we can make decisions. The other side of it is that we are also responsible for the collective health, for the collective good. If there is a pandemic, we should follow the rules of uh, of lockdown and quarantine and so on and so forth. So I think that would be the elements for me that I would love to see coming back in uh, in our uh, programs, in our education. And as I'm active in politics um, for the past couple of years, that's also at the core of what I advocate in my own party, but also in other places that I'm uh, involved with and keep referring to the fact that we have to be teaching rights with responsibility. I often have a lot of thoughts about the fact that I live in a very free society where people often don't have to choose between two things. Something that happens in a society where you don't often have to make that choice and you can have everything, you can have everything that you want without sacrificing. When you come to something where you do have to choose between one of two things, say, for example, with the pandemic, you want to choose between everybody's health or the fact that it's more comfortable to not wear a mask, that becomes a very difficult decision to make because you have been taught that, well, no, you don't have to choose. You can have all of the things that you want without really considering that actually some of the choices, if not all of the choices that you make, will probably have some impact on somebody else. I I think it's quite interesting. I'm not sure if that's something that storytelling can solve. Perhaps it can because that whole theme could be explored in a story. I wanted to go back a bit, though, to when you were talking about superheroes, that that idea of having a superpower and being able to fix things, but then, you know, everybody kind of having their right to be the superhero. I think stories are a fantastic way to see how a character deals with failure and deals with not being the superhero, being a support player. Do you have any thoughts about that? One of my talking points, in the, again, in the last couple of years is that we are so much focusing on everybody becoming a leader. We keep telling our children, telling our students all the time that you all can become a leader and everybody has to become a leader. Well, if everybody is a leader, who is following these leaders? We are all becoming this independent, individualistic, uh, I, I know it best, I can do it best. And then, okay, fine, if you can become the leader and everybody else also is thinking that way, who is the one, who are the people following you? And we need to really move away from this concept that everyone can become a leader. No, we have seen it in our political world, in our social world, in many different domains that not everybody is able to become a leader in the first place. And second, we don't need everyone to become a leader. We need backup. We need support. We need followers. Because we have engraved in our uh, in our minds that 
I'm either becoming a leader or I'm a loser. This dichotomy has created such a negative situation for, for our children that they, they always uh, see themselves as uh, not good enough, not worthy enough, you know, with also all these social media pressure that you must become an influencer on um, YouTube or whatever other channel. And if you are not, you're a loser. This attitude really needs to, to change. It really needs to be uh, marketed in a different way. One of the greatest examples or one of the greatest way of, uh, of doing it is that the ones who are in power, the ones who are the leaders, they have to come out and make it clear that they got there because of the support, because of the followership that they receive from others and put them in the spotlight. It becomes a viable, a respectful position that others can also in, uh, aspire to become, uh, become not just the, the top position, but also all the positions that goes under it and are necessary they are absolutely necessary for a leader to function uh, in 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 the right uh, setting and with the right uh, approach one way to go about it is for the ones who are already in in the leading position to open up and share and i think anyone who goes out and says i'm a self-made leader and i reached everything on my own and i build up everything on my own they are missing out part of the story i truly believe that all of us at in one way or another have received support from our community in one way or another and uh, some of us have received it in in a different degree than others but anybody who is at the top has received support from their community members and that's why i think we need to put the community at the center of every action every intervention that we are thinking about if we empower the community if we support and guard the community then we can guard the individuals that are within that community and they can thrive to become what they want to be not what they are programmed uh, so to say by our educations to to become it's sometimes shared as a joke within the Iranian community, but I hear it from a lot of other immigrants. There are certain jobs that we find that we accept our children to follow. It's either a doctor, an engineer, or a lawyer, or disgrace to the family. There is a great truth in it. We push our children to, to become certain to follow certain jobs, and we really need to change that. If my child is enjoying carpentry as a parent, it's my job to, to help him to thrive in becoming a carpenter. Or if my son enjoys uh, painting, I, it's my job to do that. Or if he is interested in literature, it's my job to help him thrive in it. The way that we can move forward, not just about admitting our failures, because if we do not fall, we would never learn to rise up. So we should show it as part of our growth path and uh, not make it a big deal that, oh, you failed. So you are miserable for the rest of your life. No, it, it's part of the growth path. And we should make it very clear that it's okay. There is nothing shameful about it. There is nothing wrong about it. When we learn to admit our mistakes, to admit our failures, then we can also think about how we can prevent them for the next round and how we can build up 
on the experience that we learn from our uh, mistakes. Absolutely. I'm wondering if you have any specific things that you're wanting to share that we haven't covered yet before we start to close up the episode. The point that I would emphasize again on is that the issues that we we discussed, they are quite interrelated with each other. It's absolutely impossible to address the stories that we want to see and the programs we want our children to watch without discussing our economic situation in the country, our political situation in our country, or our uh, climate issues. You know, they all are related to each other and trying to solve one, whatever solving means, without taking the other elements into account is just a recipe for failure in short or long term. As much as we need specialists to come in and tell us how to develop a program that is attractive for children, we also need generalists to come in to the picture and show us the linkages between the program that we are trying to make and the other factors that are necessary to take into account in order to make that program a success. I feel really happy for you being a parent. It's so lovely to hear from a parent with how much they're considering the way that the world is is shaping their children and how they can have some positive influence on that. Thank you very much, Paige, for this uh, opportunity. I was very delighted when we first got connected and I'm, uh, I feel quite privileged to be able to be part of your, uh, your podcast. Thank you so much. You've been listening to Listen More with Paige Crystal Wilcox. If you or someone you know would like to be a guest on this podcast, head to my website, pagecrystalwilcox.com and don't forget to share and subscribe.